This is One in 36, a presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. One in 36 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I am speaking with two guests, which are going to be fun to talk to because at first you're not going to know why they're speaking together on the show. And then we're going to get into the connection that brought them together and learn about a really cool partnership. Our guests today are Angela Parisi, who is the transition supervisor uh, for the Children's Day program at the Center for Developmental Disabilities in Woodbury, New York, and also Bill Burke, who is the education chairman and a volunteer with the Oyster Bay Railroad Museum. Did I get all that right? All right. All right. So, so today um, we're going to start uh, with you, Angela. If we don't, you don't mind, I'm going to ask you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, and the Center for Developmental Disabilities. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm the transition supervisor at the center, and what that means is I oversee all things related to the transition from uh, school services to adult services for all of our students. We are a small program. We have 95 students enrolled right now. Um, they are between the ages of like kindergarten and 21. Um, the transition program here really targets the students that are between 15 and 21. I oversee all things vocational in the building. So we have um, a PAIS lab, which is, stands for Practical Assessment Exploration System. That's our career environment where the, it's simulated so the students come in and they act as employees and the teachers are supervisors and they engage in different career related tasks to kind of uh, learn how to be an employee. And then from there, we hope to get them involved in community-based internships. Uh, we do have some partnerships in the community right now. Uh, we have a greenhouse program here, so I oversee that. Uh, we have raised garden beds outside where we're planting vegetables. Um, we do in-house vocational jobs, um, things like that. Uh, you asked about my background. So I, I have a master's degree in special ed from Dowling College. Um, I'm permanently certified in special education grades K through 21. Um, and I kind of fell into transition. I, um, I didn't see myself working with high school students ever. I really was focused on younger students. And I got to a point in my life where an opportunity um, kind of fell in my lap for transition. And I thought, yeah, maybe I could do that, you know, working with kids and teaching them about the real world. And I found that helping kids become independent and become who they want to be and get involved in work and get jobs, paid employment um, has been so rewarding. So I've been doing this for a long time. Now. Thank you for that. That's great. And um, I also have been I've had a career where I've, I've had a lot of opportunity that I didn't exactly plan for. But I often feel that that's what sometimes that leads you to the perfect place exactly where you're supposed to be. Um, so that's great. And also, I would think that you are right there in the thick of it. Um, and we know this to be true, too, at Anderson. Um, there are far fewer opportunities for the type of program and opportunity and, and activities and, and that um, the pace lab that you have then to fulfill the need that's out there. So it's wonderful what you're doing. Um, and I'm sure that you have a lot of people who would love to get into that program um, and, and have the opportunity. So it's really nice to hear that you've got a nice robust program going on. Um, and I hope for the best as you continue that. Um, we're going to shift over to Bill now. And um, Bill, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, whatever you'd like to share and, and how you got involved in the uh, Oyster Bay Railroad Museum. Sure, I'm glad to. Um, overall, I have a 35-year career uh, with the New York City Board of Education and, and involved starting as a uh, social studies high school teacher. 
then I was the dean, head football coach, uh, social studies assistant principal, summer school principal, and I was also the CSA, that's Council of Supervisors, um, uh, Administrators um, Association or a professional group, and I represented the Borough of Queens for uh, 12 years. Retired. Okay. Um, um, never lost my interest and zeal for education, and it led me eventually. I was could say kind of as a flattery to me uh, that I was pursued by the U.S. Bay Railroad Museum to run the program, to actually start the program, and um, that's where we are today. One of the groups that came to visit us was Angela's group, and she can basically tell you how it. How we uh, formed this partnership. How the story started. That's, um, yes, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Bill, I just, first of all, I want to thank you for your years of service in the education uh, world. I come from a family of educators, and um, had I not ended up where I am today, I, for a long time, saw myself becoming a teacher um, and um, and an administrator, and I did that for a little while in the private school world. But I uh, just really appreciate that you've chosen to remain involved and engaged in the lives of it sounds like from what I've read on the website, you know, learners of all ages who have an interest in railroad history and um, and the Oyster Bay area. So before we get to that very important question, which is the, the rest of the interview, basically, Angela, I just want to take a minute to throw out the websites for both of your programs to make sure that people know where they can go to get more information after this interview is over. So for more inter- information about the Center for Developmental Disabilities, you can go to uh, www.centerfordd.org and for more information about the Oyster Bay Railroad Museum it's www.obrm.org correct just one r correct. all right yes. wanted to make sure i got that right so yeah now um let's uh take a few minutes angela if you could just describe the the specifically the transition programs and activities that you run, one of which I think led you to the museum. Maybe start us off with that that experience. Okay. So I'm overseeing the phase lab, as I had mentioned, and all the other things that we do in-house and the community-based internships. And um, as part of our phase lab, we provide compensation for the students. They earn a salary. It is paper money. It's not necessarily real money, but we want to um, allow the kids the opportunity to take that money and go shopping and see the connection where they are earning and they're being able to purchase and budget. So I offer them um, toys and snacks and and books and things like that. But um, something that really was motivating the kids uh, pre-COVID, we're getting back to pre-COVID times now, but um, this this dating back in 2019, I had advertised, um, I asked the kids where they wanted to go in the community. So we kind of made a field trip, something that they could save up their money for, their pays lab money that they earn Mm -hmm. and their salary and pay for that field trip. So um, I had a student always wore a train t-shirt and somebody who I worked with at the time had mentioned to me, oh, you know, there's a train museum nearby. And I had actually never heard of the Bay Railroad Museum. Um, but thanks to this particular student, I reached out and set up a field trip. And I had, uh, it was the summer of 2019. It was that August. We had nine students who earned their salary, saved their money, purchased tickets to this field trip. Um, and then we went down to the Railroad Museum where we met Bill. And we had a tour and the, um, the rail yard, which was just wonderful because there's so many interactive rail cars that the students can climb on and flip switches like they're working at the railroad and things. We had two students sit down in that area and pretty much tell us they weren't leaving. They wanted to stay. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's great. That's rewarding, right there. Yeah, great. So um, very so what? So it's very hands on. It's it's not a place where you have to sort of sit quietly, so. can't touch anything. It's this is that, that's, that. that's by design. Mm-hmm. That's the philosophy of the museum, and that's the way we've we've built our exhibits and the, the railroad station and the yard. We give the kids full access to everything and let them enjoy the experience and learn from it at the same time. That's great. And Bill, so you're the education chairman of the, for the museum. Do you develop curricula around this? Do you work with the person who's leading the field trip from the, you know, whatever school they're coming to, coming from, to um, kind of adapt? their visit to where the students are at in terms of learning and experience and how long they might want to spend there, things like that? Or am I getting it all wrong? No, no, you're exactly right. In fact, when I came on board, the first thing I did is wanted to have something tactile, something that was visual in a sense. So the first thing I did, and it took almost a year to do, uh, was to create a curriculum guide for visitation on different grade levels. And uh, frankly, one of the things I learned very quickly was that uh, there's kind of a sweet spot, you might say, mm-hmm. in attracting students. So now most of what we do is directed at uh, really from kindergarten through like fifth to sixth grade, mm-hmm. uh, because that seems to be where we are most popular with the schools. Um, the program then uh, was launched uh, to bring that experience with railroads, railroading, um, and history. One of the things about the museum is that the we are really a campus. We have two sites that are adjacent to each other. One is the, tra- uh, the uh, train station, which was built for uh, or adapted for Theodore Roosevelt when he was president. So yes, Theodore and there's Roosevelt, I saw that on yeah. your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lived in Oyster Bay, and so there's a connection there. So that's one of the things we emphasize in our trips is the connection between. You know, their home or their Long Island, most of our clients are from Long Island, though we've gotten some from outside. And the emphasis is on their neighbor, the president, American history, and then the technology and, and history of railroading. So it's, it's definitely hands on. That's for sure. That's great. I love that. And I think um, I think really for everyone, I talk about this a lot on this on this podcast um, many times as we're talking that the guests and myself are talking on the on during the interview we come to this point where we realize sort of collectively that what is uh really helpful and accessible for people who are who have different neurodivergencies and might be on the autism spectrum might have uh, other idd um challenges um is also very accessible for the general public. Um, I don't know a single child, certainly one in that age range from kindergarten to fifth grade, who would not prefer to have a hands-on museum-like experience as opposed to one where you have to keep your hands to yourselves and not touch anything. So I think, um, and I think as a former educator, I would think, Angela, it's also freeing as an adult who's chaperoning a trip like that to know that this is a place where it's okay to say, yes, go explore, go touch, go go have your own personal experience in this space um, because it's, it's probably that much more meaningful for everyone. So um, it sounds like a beautiful start. Uh, we are done with our first half of the podcast. When we come back, 
let we can get into some um, some more questions that I have for both of you about what else is available and how this uh, initial visit has has grown over the years. All right, this is one in thirty six, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now, 1 in 36 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I am talking today with Angela Parisi, who is the transition supervisor for the Children's Day program at the Center for Developmental Disabilities in Woodbury, New York, as well as Bill Burke, who is a volunteer at the Oyster Bay Railroad Museum and Bill's role, uh, you are the education chairman, taking years of experience as an educator in the New York City school districts um, to uh, to the, trail, the the railroad museum, which I think is great. Um, so you kind of covered both of your backgrounds, what got you into the roles and where you are today. And we left off with this initial visit of nine students back in, I think you said 2019, Angela, where um, I guess my first question to go from that last conversation is, how long did it take to get those students who immediately said they weren't leaving the museum <laughs> to actually <laughs> feel like they'd had enough and could leave and maybe come back another time? Um, if I, 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 We're going back a few years, but I'd have to say probably like 20 minutes yeah. of, of parking wow. themselves in the rail yard and just saying they weren't, they weren't going. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually we were able to, it was the promise of being able to return that was able to help them transition back onto the school vans and back to school that day. And I wonder, sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, I was going to say it was that experience, Mm -hmm. uh, that moment in time that really woke me up to the fact that we were being effective and to see young people react to the field trip the way they did. That that opened the door to what we were going to do. Awesome. Opened my eyes at least, yes. That's great. Sometimes you have to see it and be a little surprised um, to realize what the opportunities are in the future. I was just going to mention that also just as a side note, that moment, my guess, is really reinforced also for the students and for you, Angela, the other part of what you had done to lead up to this, which is teaching those students the link between you know, working towards something, saving something, planning for something, uh, not being sort of impetuous um, and saying, well, I just want this right now, but waiting for something and then to have them enjoy it so much, that's like intrinsic, very organic, natural reinforcement of the fact that what they had done and planned and waited for was maybe even more reinforcing than they even ever realized it was going to be. So so what a great outcome on that uh, front, too, in terms of the way you approached getting to the field trip. Thank you. Um, all right. So let's talk about what happened. What happened next? It, it sounds to me like more things were created, more field trips occurred. Tell me the story. Yeah, well, I think um, Bill and I had kept in touch. And, you know, I made sure that the kids wrote thank you letters and we were um, very upfront about how much fun they had. And um, then he had reached out to me about having um, a photo from that field trip 
front and center on their brochure, the educational brochure that was going out to local school districts. So it took a little while to get all the consents into place from all the families, but we made that happen. And there it was a picture of myself and all of my students, um, as well as Bill and his coworker um, from the museum, right on the front cover of the brochure. And that, that really started it, that cemented it, um, this ongoing relationship from that photo on, I would think. And then COVID happened. Um, so we weren't able to get much off the ground, but Bill actually reached out to me during COVID, which is very refreshing because there are many places in the community where I want to develop these sort of relationships and you still feel like you're chasing them. But how wonderful that Bill and, and John, who he works with, were willing to reach out to me and wanted to develop a partnership. Um, and we were talking about maybe, maybe filling him in on my needs and developing opportunities for the students, not just recreation and leisure where they could come visit the museum, but also maybe being able to provide some working and some real life experiences. So um, Bill has mailings that go out regularly for the museum. And during COVID, he actually brought all of the mailings here. So we had all of the um, envelopes, the stamps, the labels, all of the materials, and we developed it's uh, a mail squad, if you will. It started with one squad. That's great. Uh, yeah, so our students do all of their mailings behind the scenes here, and that was able to run throughout the course of the pandemic. And once we were able to, uh, last year, start getting students on site a little bit easier once mask requirements and vaccination requirements had worn down a bit, um, we start. We ended up with some students. We had our very first intern, Kevin, who started last year on site at the museum. Um, yeah. Oh, tell us about tell us about the internship. Yeah. Tell us about Kevin. Well, basically, we we call the program VIP Volunteer Internship Program. Uh, their life skills that we're aiming for. Uh, Kevin again was a, a, a big surprise, you might say, to me at how. Uh, involved he got, how uh, effective he was, how much he enjoyed the experience. And uh, he basically does a lot of the tasks in the background, you might say, helping us set up furniture, distributing uh, uh, education materials, worksheets, pens, uh, helping the kids, guide the kids through the experience in the rail yard, climbing up on the trains. Eventually it led to the point where we have an operational turntable and uh, we put the students on the turntable and they, it spins around and it's a, it's a ride. It's very, very um, enjoyable for the kids. So Kevin is now my power man. Uh, I wasn't sure at first if that was a responsibility he might want to do, but he, he uh, absolutely embraced it. Uh, and so now when it's time to turn the power on, he's the guy who does it. So we've progressed to the point where he's really a, a real uh, partner in these tours. And that has led to, we've had, you know, I'll let Angela summarize some mm -hmm. of the uh, different squads that we have. But each one is now involved in activities that meet their needs and also are important to, for the functioning of the museum. They, it's a real partnership. That's fabulous. How old is Kevin? He's um, 19, right? I think he just turned 20. Oh, okay. He, he graduates next. I think any any time that really anyone is 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 able to find a way to match somebody's interests and passions with an with an opportunity and, a, and a, an experience that also involves other people and making an impact and feeling um, and seeing their their work and their time as impactful and meaningful 
it's just such a beautiful thing. I, I, the way you told that story, Bill, just, I could really imagine it. And I would think that it's also having a positive impact for the other students who then may oh. see themselves in Kevin, um, and yeah. see opportunity as they get older. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking to families, um, whose children are here at Anderson, much of what they share with me in terms, especially when their children were younger and growing up, um, were all the things, all the opportunities that they sort of gave up that they said, I have to mourn this. This isn't going to happen for my kid. The thing that I thought, you know, might look a certain way is not going to look a certain way because my child is now, you know, on the autism spectrum. And, and this is, you know, some of the things that aren't going to be the way I thought they were going to be. But here you are with Kevin, who's experiencing what it looks like and feels like to be a role model, which may not have been something that his family or he thought was going to happen. Um, and you're also introducing everyone else at the museum, whether they work there or are volunteers or are students coming and visiting or teachers leading other school groups to the fact that um, Kevin's a part of the team. And I, I think that that's, I think that that is integral to the future of our society and the interpersonal relationships that, that need to continue. So I just, I always get up on a soapbox at one point in the show that said that was it for me. Angela, why don't you, um, why don't you go ahead with the rest of uh, what, what Bill perfectly led you up to and then I interrupted so, so again, just to recap, we have our male squad that works behind the scenes. We have Kevin yeah. who is in every aspect. Um, he's like a junior tour guide over there. Then we have like um, a cleaning and sanitizing squad of which Kevin does share some responsibility, but we added another student in. So that student has learned from Kevin how to go in and there, there's, there's dusting and cleaning of the displays, um, the, the, the rail yard, everything needed, especially with COVID to be sanitized. So um, high touch surface areas, things like that were, were cleaned and disinfected. Um, then we have um, we have another student, Miguel, who is very interested in photography. He's not somebody who wants to be front and center the way Kevin wants to be that tour guide and lead the kids around. So Miguel was able to, we were able to provide him with a camera on loan that he was able to bring down to the site and take pictures. And then those pictures are going to be used for social media purposes. Um, and, video. The, and yes, we have his pictures were used. We've created a video that highlights the partnership between um, OBRM and CDD. We just, we're waiting right now. It's kind of in social media um, jail, waiting to be released to the public. So we're just looking okay. for the way, the way to release that and get that and get that out there on our YouTube channel simultaneously between our two organizations. But the photography in that is from Miguel. Um, and he, he did participate in some inventory tasks, which is another new job. So we went from... Um, one student on site. Now we have Kevin, we have Miguel, we have Kayla. Hey. We have three on site. Um, Kayla was part of the sanitizing squad. Miguel is doing the photography and the inventory, which was counting out and organizing the shirts by style and size. And we're looking to develop a like a gardening slash horticulture squad, if you will, where we have our greenhouse program here so we can do some planting here, starting some flowers in our greenhouse and then bringing them down to the museum where we can um, provide beautification for them and have our students take care of the, you know, the deadheading, the planting, the transplanting, the watering, all of those things to keep that going. Yeah, I was going to say with the horticulture program, uh, first of all, we, uh, we uh, wrote a grant for the uh, New York State Arts Council on Arts mm -hmm. involving VIP. Uh, that's helping fund some of the things we do. And then just recently, we awarded a PSENG uh, grant uh, for beautification. Uh, that was through a business in Oyster Bay, which is called Sanctuary. It's a garden, furniture, 
outdoor furniture place, and they've uh, agreed to sponsor us. So they are going to provide through that grant uh, two large planters to be placed outside the uh, entrance to the yard. We have a mural, which we uh, had painted last year, and they're going to supply us with uh, guidance and some supplies to do the work. So uh, something small like that has blossomed into a relationship, and we, we do take, we are planning to take the kids on tours of the business and how it actively works to give them exposure to the horticulture background field. That is fabulous. I love this story. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're out of time, um, but I just want to thank you both because it's partnerships like this where I think a big reason why it's working is because it sounds to me like both of you went into this with your um, an openness to see what would happen and without an expectation that something specific had to happen. And um, and so you seem to just be embracing the way it's, it's naturally occurring. And um, I want to encourage anybody listening to go to both of your websites. Again, um, Center for Developmental Disabilities is centerfordd.org. The uh, Oyster Bay Railroad Museum is obrm.org. But really... Um, Take the opportunity if you're in the area to visit the Railroad, Railroad Museum, um, maybe get a chance to meet Bill, who knows, um, or Kevin or Kayla or Miguel's, you know, maybe they're taking pictures, who knows. But um, it's it's also really good. We always take the opportunity to remind people that, um, you know, you're doing good work together and there are places to take your child, your loved one, your family for a really cool experience that um, is really volunteer led from what I read on your website, Bill, and um, a, a, a work of, in, uh, you know, passion and enthusiasm um, for trains and for history. There's a lot to learn and a lot to experience. And, you know, it sounds like if you get there and your child's on the spectrum, you're going to be welcomed and um, and appreciated for coming and having your own experience. And that's really important for a lot of families to know that you're out there doing this work. And um, I just wish you both the best. And thank you for your time telling uh, telling us all about this today. Thank, Thank you. you so much Thank for, you for having the opportunity. Us. Yes. All right. And keep your eye out, everybody, for the YouTube video. So I'm sure if you uh, go to those websites, you'll find out when they're when they are uh, when it's coming out. And we'll check that out. This is one in 36, the talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 36, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join them for another edition of the show at this time next weekend. 